we can do something. We can stand and pray. We can vote our conscience. We can speak uh, to our friends and neighbors truth. You know what? There's only one that can really fix our whole problem. He needs to fix our hearts. He needs to fix the pride. He needs to fix, take care of that things. And that only comes when there's a, there's a breakthrough. The Holy Spirit is always willing. He's moving throughout the earth, looking for a heart, looking for someone that will say, yeah, I want to I wanna be filled with you. And so that we sang about a child being a child of God. A child of God. That really has a lot to do with what God has done for us. So to be, in order to be a child of God, I'm going to get this out here. Um, uh, this whole word uh, is throughout, well, especially the book of Romans, this whole word is, uh, is described as the adoption. Adoption. Think about that. God adopted us. We we were lost. We were wandering. We were hopeless, scared, living the best we can. God adopted us. You're no longer your own. You know you have a place to belong. He has a place in heaven. I just think that's unfathomable. It's unbelievable. You could think of the greatest place on earth to visit. I don't know what that would be. Why? (laughs) So (laughs) it's a wonderful place, but heaven is still beyond. You know, If we could have a perfect world, it would be heaven. It's not going to be until God calls us. But we're going to try to do our best. And, I, and then the message today is really about why we're here. I want to kind of go off on this theme that John's Gospel, chapter 13. As we've been going through the book of John, uh, the theme runs throughout its pages Whosoever believeth. Or the theme is, do you believe? Jesus would ask that question. Do you, who do you believe the Son of Man is? And so the problem with our country, our world, so to speak, many of them don't understand who Jesus is yet. And so they can't say, I believe. And so we have our this huge, huge assignment that Jesus said go into all the world all all the worlds and make disciples and that to me is is rubbing shoulders on the job that to me is, is in the community or as you go into the uh, marketplaces of life and you're, you're just being sensitive it starts in your family so our purpose today let me just say it already it's just I'm gonna, I'm gonna announce my I don't always have a title but our purpose to serve. Our purpose is to serve. In case you're wondering when you get to not serve, um, well, we're going to always serve the Lord. The good news is it's a joy when we understand the privilege it is to serve the Lord. Now, your job may take on a new dimension 
as you begin to understand what Jesus was talking about in these few paragraphs that we're going to read and look at. The Passover was at hand, which represented the, the memory of God delivering Israel out of the bondage of slavery, out of the slavery of Egyptian. And as you know, the story of the Red Sea was parted, and that great miracle God uh, opened the water so they could go through. It wasn't very long until they were finding something to complain about again. Like, why has God brought us out here to die of thirst? Why is God only giving us manna? Begin to take on a wretched, smelly attitude. They remembered when they had cucumbers and leeks and onions and good stuff. I don't know if you like those kind of things. I'm not real keen on onions, leeks, whatever leeks, some kind of a spicy thing. You know what? The Lord loves you anyway. There is a scene here that is taking place. There is a lot of people in town. And Jesus, knowing that his hour, it says his hour had come that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I want to make this statement. Let's finish strong. Kind of a goal of my own. What do I mean by that? In order to finish strong, doesn't mean that you can lay a thousand blocks a day. Doesn't mean that you can cut a cord of wood in a couple hours. Doesn't mean that you, you can do the thing that you did when you were young and really robust and maybe you were, anything was, anything was possible. What it has to do with is deep down in your heart that you have a resonating fire, that there's a faith walk, that there is this faith with your God that all things are possible. There is this faith that with your God that he's going to supply every need. Every need. That even though I don't see it yet, even though I feel the way I feel, I'm believing in his healing, I'm believing in his what his promises says to me. And so what the Lord is saying, I have loved you guys all the way to the end. And take note, there's one guy that's a rascal. Judas. That we're going to see the un... conditional love of our Lord. And during this, they would have what was known as the supper, and they would partake together. Verse 2 says, The devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. Take note. Jesus comes out of heaven into our world. Jesus did not just say, this is how you need to live. Jesus comes out 
of heaven to our world to show us how to live, to demonstrate how to live. And what our culture is hungry for these days, is there someone that will live the life, will demonstrate to me, will be authentic, who will be the real deal? When it comes, you say you love God. What does that look like? What is that? That's a nice saying. But what does it mean? What does it look like? And now Jesus has begun to prove or demonstrate exactly what it means to love. He rose from the supper, verse 4, lay aside his garments, taking a towel. He girded himself about. He poured water into the basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had been girded. If you could imagine, there were some stinky feet. Wow. And so he came to, comes to Simon. He says to him, Lord, and Simon says, Lord, do you wash my feet? As if to say, you really shouldn't wash my feet. Jesus answered, I said to him, what I do to you, you do not realize now, but you shall understand it hereafter. The key phrase, the key phrase, what is happening right now in your situation? You don't understand it right now. There's a lot of things we don't understand about life. There's a lot of things that we don't understand why the whys, why this happens. But you'll understand it in the hereafter. And what Jesus was referring to, that Peter, you're going to go through a testing. And Peter did go through a testing. And it was Peter that, that came down to the stretch in his life that for a time being he become very afraid to follow after Jesus when he got closer to the cross. He was afraid for his life. But later on, Peter recuperated, recovered by the Holy Spirit that helped him, and he became a bold speak spokesman and a flaming brand for the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that God can take up those that are, are some of the, the weakest that the Lord has in our, in our culture, some of the weakest people, some of the people that you would not expect, the least of them, all described in the body of Christ, that those are just as important as others. Now Peter says, never shall you wash my feet, Jesus. And if you do not wash you, if I do not wash you, you have no part. What is he saying? If I am not allowed to be your Lord, to be your Savior. You cannot save yourself. You cannot get to heaven any other way but through me. You cannot save yourself. I'm so glad today that he has made a way. We don't have to work to earn it. But as we come to Christ acknowledging our sin, he takes our sins away as far as the east is from the west. And so Simon Peter then agrees, not my feet only, but also my hand. It's just like Peter's personality. How He was the guy who stepped out of the boat, remember? He's the guy who cut off the ear when he was defending Jesus and Malchus. Remember that story in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's the guy who swung the sword, aiming for his head, no doubt. that Malchus tipped his head, and no doubt that's what happened. He cuts off his ear. Peter is, is one of those guys. He wants it all. He wants what God had. He doesn't always understand it, but he, wa he wants it all. 
And we have to give Peter some credit. And so he now begins to understand, not, not only my feet, but all of me. I want to be totally, I want to be all in for you. There's, see, there's really no room for half-heartedness in the kingdom of God. As a revelation describes, I wish you were neither cold or hot because of a lukewarmness. This is a stench. It's, it's just disgusting to God. God wants us all in. How about you? I want to be in for God. I want to be all out for God. I want to be. And that's not to say that we're perfect. You know, we'll just get over that. We're not going to be perfect. We're forgiven. But we're working toward walking what, what relates, what, what is his will? What is, what is it that he is ordering us to do? What is he asking us to do? So Peter has this sort of an argument yeah, but Jesus said, you, you don't understand. The things that are going to happen uh, right now, you don't, you don't realize what's going on right now. You really can't fully comprehend what's taking place. But you're going to understand it later on. Peter was the one who, who, who the Lord called out at the end as he came back from his, his, uh, his death and resurrection, as he came back before he ascended back to heaven. And he talked to Peter this way, Peter, do you love me? Remember that? That's the book, in the book of John. Peter, do you love me? Three times. And Jesus described that there would be a day that he would give it all for the cause of Christ. See, what is it? What is it that we're called? What is our purpose? What is it that we're called to do here while we're here? Is it just to make a living? Is it just to somehow uh, have a happy life? There's so many that have rose to the top, and so to speak, and done it all, so to speak, and yet end up empty until they find every one of us as a place inside of our heart that only God can fill. Nothing else can take that place. The only person that's complete is when they say, you know, Lord, I've made a mess, but you are my, you are my hope. You are my God, and I'm turning to you. Now, he's, just, he's, he's washing these feet. He's rinsing them. Keep in mind, he did it to every one of them. When he gets to Judas, I'm just kind of trying to imagine this. What would be taking place in the heart of a Judas who knew he was going to betray them? He knew, and Jesus still loves on him. Jesus still demonstrates the unconditional love. You see, in a sense, we were all like a Judas who didn't know any better, who chose to go away, who chose to do it our own way. But Jesus demonstrated, yet while we were sinners, he died for us. While we were still lost, while we were empty, while we couldn't explain anything, we didn't have absolutely nothing to give to Jesus. Jesus loves us. He encourage you today, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, if you're still trying to somehow come to that place of total surrender, 
Keep taking the steps toward him. Take another step. Then take another step. And keep going toward him. He gets only sweeter. He gets more and more for us to understand. He has more for us even further down the road than we can ever imagine. He has plans for us. Jeremiah's the Old Testament, the Old Old Testament prophet said that he knows the plans that he has for us to give us a uh, prosperous, to give us a, a hope and a future. Boy, there's a lot of hopeless people. Hope, feeling hopeless. Feeling, what's the use? What's my purpose? Why should I even exist? Why should I even be here? Listen, the Lord is calling us. He asked a question to the disciples in verse 12. Do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher, Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then the Lord, if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Wow. Now, I've only been in one foot washing ceremony in my life. I don't believe that Jesus necessarily was meaning that we should have a, a place in our worship where we actually took time to wash each other's feet. However, if we did that, I think it would change your heart a little bit. When I was at college, there was a group of men who were um, given assignments. You became, a, you became a, an advisor on, on the floor, a resident advisor. And so this group of, I don't know if there was 12 of us, or was 14 of us, I can't remember. But the leader, actually the man who led the group, we went away to a cabin somewhere, a resort, and had a time of sharing and praying together. But he implemented this whole foot washing ceremony. And I want to share it because it was, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. So along with the foot washing, every guy would take turns. As we would wash the feet of that person, we would speak into their lives. We would tell them and encourage them what we liked about them. What was meaningful? What was, what was encouraging about them? You should see the guys that would just start the ball. Because there's a lot of people that are waiting for someone to speak into their lives something, what we know is called the blessing. There's a lot of young people, older people, that are wondering if they will ever be blessed. Fathers and grandparents and leaders have the privilege and responsibility to bless young people. What I mean by that is to speak positive into their lives. Bring a word of encouragement. And I remember my sister, I remember when Glenn Galt, you remember Glenn Galt, Linda? He'd always stand up and first thing he would say, God is good. First thing out of his mouth, every testimony just about. But it was a Glenn Galt that would stand crying at a men's meeting and say, if I could just be an encouragement to someone. You see what I'm saying? What is my purpose? You sometimes say, well, why don't I have much to give? 
I don't really know what to do. I don't know what to say. You know, when you love God, you begin to love people more. You begin to understand He has a He has a role for us. That's not it, it, one of the things we have to understand. My flesh doesn't like to serve. Hello. Well, my flesh is selfish. My flesh wants you to serve me. Right? Guess what? Jesus said we need to die to ourselves. Jesus said, you're going to pick up the cross and follow me. And Jesus himself actually did that. He died to himself. He died the ultimate. But you know when he died physically? He died in spirit. He died emotionally. He died, I, I think, where he finally clinched it. Where it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where his sweat dropped, became blood, and he agonized. And he says to his, his father, Lord, not my will, but thy will. You know what happens when we, we die to our flesh? The new man, God, the Holy Spirit, wants to live. And that, that's, that's where your strength is. You begin to overcome. Now you say, well, you know, I really should do something about that. I could probably help that person. I should probably take out the trash that my mom and dad asked me to do without complaining. Hello. Hello. Serving starts at home. And as much I think for me, when it works, maybe I don't feel like doing it. I do it anyway and start to feel more like doing it. Does that work for you? Now, everything that throughout Scripture, there's a balance. There's a time for you to rest. There's a time for you to take in and enjoy. There's a time the disciples went away with Jesus and get away from the crowd. There's a whole balance in this. If you work all the time and not have enough time for other people, I'm guilty. Right? You become out of balance. Right? The Lord is trying to work with this. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so when you know the truth about your weaknesses, you can say, you know, that wouldn't be good for me. I need to go not participate with those people might bring something that's not good for me. So you start to build safeguards in your life. You start to say no to the music or the media, the stuff the food, the what, whatever it is, you start to say, you know what? I'm a child of God. And so, boil it all down. It's right, right here. He saves us so that we can serve Him. Now, what does that look like? Guess what? Jesus said, you will, they, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. And I said it this morning, I love to see people visiting in the church circles. I love to see people interacting. 
But part of the reason that we've kind of broken the men's and the women's is I feel like we need to connect more than just the worship service. It's, it's a part of it. But I feel like there are needs that only we're going to figure out till we're close enough to one another, right? And we say, you know what? I, I want to pray with you on. That. I want to. I want to be. I want to help bear that load. And so then it becomes fun. You get to look forward to what is God going to give to you as an assignment next. So we go on. And Jesus says, what I've done to you, you're going to do it to each other. And so what this serving each other looks like, it may be just as simple as calling someone. It may be just as simple as, as, as hearing or listening to someone. Being an t- initiative about asking someone, how are you really doing? Washing one another's feet is taking the time to be a friend is taking the time to think about someone else's hearts, heartaches. It's thinking about putting yourself into their shoes and asking the Lord, how can I help them? That's what God did for us. 